This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre recorded. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. As we come to you and begin the show, J-Doc, uh, we've got a great guest that is going to be with us for uh, the entire show today. Excited to introduce uh, our guest. It's crazy, brother. Before we jump into that, two things I want to make sure that we always continue to talk about. Uh, our energy summits are really, really coming um, full circle and really starting to now not only get get on the schedule and get on the calendar, uh, but we've got a great lineup of contributors that are going to be part of that. Absolutely, Joe. We're, we're looking very much forward to, to, to bringing our Labor and Energy Summit series uh, to, to the listeners, uh, which will begin in mid-August with our Refinery Sector Summit and will be followed by in, in September uh, with our Shale Industry Summit. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to educate our public uh, on the benefits, the details, and the important information on maintaining our traditional energy sources while addressing our environment as we transition uh, to uh, this uh, world, crazy world, uh, you know, with uh, renewables and all those good things. Uh, the summer, the summits will feature the who's who in the labor and energy sectors, and we're ecstatic and can't wait to bring them to the public. Really good stuff. And as always, if you miss any of today's broadcast uh, across one of the many radio stations where the uh, the labor and energy and labor and energy show actually. Uh, airs every week. Um, you can download the podcast. Just go to Apple or Spotify. Let's get right into it. We've got a great guest. And when you tell me, when I arrive at the studio, J-Doc, and you tell me that you have been up all night <laughs> preparing for our guest. For good reasons, The right. only thing that I can say to that is, thank God it's radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got that. Yeah. So, Joe, by, by the way, Robert, Joe Krause always says uh, radio steer to the mind. Um, I'm glad we're not um, on video right now, my hair is everywhere, but I couldn't be more excited to, to bring to our listeners Robert Bryce, uh, an acclaimed author of six books, a journalist, a film producer, the documentary Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. Uh, he's the host of the Power Hungry podcast, a, a public speaker, and he's been writing about energy power, innovation, and politics for more than 30 years. His articles have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Forbes, to name a few. Uh, uh, Robert, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, I'm flattered to be with y'all. It's uh, unfortunately, I don't know what, what are we going to talk about. I mean, there's nothing happening. Yeah, nothing. I mean, it's been really quiet lately. Yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> exactly. We just thought we'd say hello and check in for a couple minutes. I'll tell you, you know, so Robert Price almost needs no introduction to the civilized world. Uh, on the other hand. I'm going to, you know, normally when you open up your podcast, you ask people to introduce themselves. We're going to do a, a, a little different. We're going, we are going to introduce ourselves to you um, to let you see what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, we, sure. you know, we uh, are, are the hosts of the labor show in, in Philadelphia. Uh, we are our labor Democrats. Uh, we talk about labor issues and all those things and uh, a, a lot of workforce issues. But our world changed. Uh, a, a while back, we're doing a show with with the Boilermakers Union and and, and the uh, Steamfitters Union, and we were talking. There was a, a refinery in Philadelphia, PES Refinery, and uh, there was a fire there, and they asked us to do a show on it. And 
Uh, the fire, there was 33 units in the refinery. Uh, the, the, the refinery uh, brought all kinds of revenues to the economy, did all kinds of, uh, you know, things that were, 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 were good things. And uh, one, of the, one of the units was, uh, you know, was, was the one unit that, that burnt. And they, they, they projected they could easily get it up and running. And yet they shut that refinery down. They caused thousands and thousands of, 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 of jobs, revenues into our uh, economy. The products that they were refining were now uh, were now getting from overseas. And Joe and I were, were listening to the you know what was going on. We would call our politicos because wait, hey, we're the labor movement here. We're the voices of labor. We can easily get support from people who su- we support and they support us. And all of a sudden, we were in the twilight zone. Crickets. Okay, and Joe and I had the had the individuals from the refinery, the workers. It was heartbreaking and unexplainable, and we started to delve into to what was going on because, of course, we have unions in that sector. Uh, we thought we were, were were energy environmental conscious people. We didn't have a clue, and so. Uh, it has been an educational uh, process the whole time, and it's led us to the Labor and Energy Show, which airs from Philly to, D- to D.C. every weekend. And I want to ask you a quick question before we start this. And, and let me know if it's a true statement that most Americans, even environmentally conscious Americans like we thought we were, including our political si- po- politicians and, and policymakers and decision makers, do they not really understand the details about energy and, and environment, and and why not? Well, J. Doc, well, thanks for that intro. And and the short answer is no, they don't understand. They do not. The policymakers don't understand. My joke is, well, we're ruled by you know the, the current policymakers and regulators, and and particularly politicians, and nearly all of them are lawyers. Well, why are they lawyers? Because they couldn't do the math again in engineering school. But they fundamentally do not understand that uh, the, the, the basics about energy and power, and, that, and that's a long discussion. But the basic math, basic physics, it, it's easy. This, energy is the, most, it's the easiest thing in the world to be a demagogue about. You know, oh, we should do something else. But I think what you just, you know, it was good. I was pleased to get your introduction there, J-Doc, about, you know, the background of the show. And I understood a little bit of it. But, you know, what is missing here and the big disconnect, and I say this as a nonpartisan. I'm not a sure. Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm disgusted. Right. But what, what we've seen repeatedly over the last few years, the shutdowns of the refineries, the shutdowns of a nuclear power plants, which are absolutely essential if we're serious about reducing emissions. What they're doing is not just closing important sources of reliable, affordable energy, but what they're doing is killing important labor jobs, many of them, if not in some cases, most of them, good union, high-paying jobs. We saw this in Buchanan, New York, with the closure of Indian Point. That's one of the things that happened at Palisades in Michigan just uh, um, in, in, in May. I mean, this is absurd what is happening. And then one more point. I mean, the president and all these renewable energy boosters, just like the ethanol crowd, they, oh, we're well, talking about jobs. Vice had an amazing piece last month. The headline is right here. It says, shifting America to solar power is a grueling, low-paid job. Yep. And they're talking about all these low-paid, non-union jobs mm-hmm. that are, are that these workmen, rather, they're workers who are out doing this grueling labor. They're non-union. They're getting paid the minimum. This is and, and, and to to promote to to install a bunch of intermittent weather dependent sources of, of energy. It just is it's it's it doesn't make any sense on a whole bunch of levels. And, and Robert, let me say this: We had Sean Steffi on at the Boilermakers Union uh, Local One Fifty Four. He's he's like a spokesman on a lot of the energy issues in labor here on the East Coast. And um, he he as a, a a kind of an experiment went to a job fair. Uh, Joe Cross, you remember this. He goes to a job fair just to check out what, what fifteen dollar an hour jobs we're talking, uh, with you know, with with the transition to re- to renewables. Um, they're not even living wage based jobs. A lot of them, and so uh, you know, and 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 that push is well, well, just transition the unions uh, to these other types of uh, jobs. And the fact of the matter is, you'll be on public welfare if you're on those jobs. Okay, if you if, if you're transitioned to those types of jobs. One thing I want to say to you is, and we have this, uh, and with our education, what's been going on, our goal is to educate our families, our friends, on so many of these issues and details. Um, that they don't know because we were in the same position. One of the sayings, that, and it's, it's piggybacks off of what you said, we say energy is not a political issue. It's not a union issue. It's a human issue. 
Okay. Yes. And and the politics is absolutely ridiculous because none of my friends, uh, and the reason I say I'm a Democrat was I've been a proud Democrat my whole life. But let me just say this. Um, you know, obviously, our environmental, uh, you know, extremists on the left, uh, you, you know, the, the, most of these people, and, and, and it was the message was sent to us, not talking about the uh, the details at all. So, um, I'd like to kind of segue and 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 kind of start off our conversation uh, by kind of uh, talking a little bit about your documentary, Juice: How Electricity Explains the World. In the documentary, you do a an awesome job of putting electricity use in the context of the human condition. I, I was actually shocked to hear your statement about how 3 billion people, okay, have access to less electricity than the average U.S. refrigerator. Can you walk our audience through some of the disparities you saw amongst the, the, the developing companies that you visited? Sure, sure. Well, thanks, J. Doc. Well, just one quick uh, 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 point here about the union jobs. And yeah. um, I, on my podcast, the Power Hungry Podcast, last year, in fact, last May, May 2021, I had James Shilato, who's the president of the Utility Workers Union of America, the local one too. Mm-hmm. They are uh, they had a big workforce at Indian Point in 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 the Indian Point nuclear plant in uh, Buchanan, New York. And they were all put out of work. I mean, all of them put out of work because of the premature, misguided closure of that power plant, which could have operated another 20, 30, 40 years. Arguably the most important piece of infrastructure in the entire city of New York. And that's not an overstatement. Provided 25% of the electricity for the city of New York. And they shut it down because of pressure from the Natural Resources Defense Council because it was convenient for Governor Andrew Cuomo, see you later, are you sorry? Yeah. I mean, they shut it down for no good reason, right? But And, and, and now that those union jobs are gone. So, so I same, it's, it, it sounds familiar. The PES refinery, same exact thing. Yeah. So that closure of Indian Point, it was a big loss for union wor- union workers in America. Yeah. But but back to the thanks. And thanks for asking about the documentary. It's called Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. It's on all the major streaming platforms. You can watch it on the Roku channel for free. I'm proud of the film. We went all around the world looking at the world through the lens of electricity. And one of the things that was really shocking, and I developed these numbers for both the film and my latest book, Question of Power, there are 3 billion people in the world today who live in places where per capita electricity consumption is less than 1,000 kilowatt hours per capita per year. Well, that's about the amount of electricity that my old kitchen refrigerator used. So we can talk all about decarbonization and climate change and the rest of it. Climate change is a concern. It is not the only concern. And that was what I saw as I went around the world. We went to India, Iceland, Lebanon, Puerto Rico, uh, New York, Colorado, and I've been in Louisiana a few months ago. People are not going to live without electricity. They're going to do whatever they have to do to get the electricity they need. And that explains why, in part, we're seeing booming coal demand all around the world. I mean, just an incredible uh, surge in demand for hydrocarbons, coal, oil, and natural gas. In the in the wake of COVID, but also in, because this means economic growth, and this to deny that, and what I see in the Democratic Party, unfortunately, is that it is being dominated by these extremists who think climate change is the only issue, and it is not the only issue. I mean, no question about it, and 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 and, and you know, you 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 make a, you make a great point. One thing that Krauss and I have have have, have tried to get the the word out on this: we all care about the environment. We're not sitting here like we're not a far wing right wing, you know, extremists either, saying there's no issues. Well, here's the at thing, uh, J. Doc, and you've heard me ask this. But common question. sense has to You've heard out. me ask this question to many of our guests every week. Robert Bryce, our special guest here today on uh, the Labor and Energy Show, Robert. I don't understand how the position of a small percentage of people overtake what is good for the rest of us. I don't get it. I just I can't wrap my arms around that narrative influencing the decisions that are being made. Yeah, I mean, that's a hard one. And, and, you know, there were some remarkable numbers that came out. It was published in the New York Times um, the other day about that just uh, 1%, 1% of uh, the climate change among those polled, only 1% thought that climate change was the most important issue facing us. Um, so, the, you know, unfortunately, and it's interesting to hear, you, you know, hear both of you identify as, as Democrats, and I understand why. It's, the left has traditionally been the party of the working class and the poor. 
But what I see, and I say this as objectively as I can, it's just not true anymore because the party has become so dominated by a group of elites who put climate change as the most important issue. And that's just wrong. And we have to balance. I mean, here's the other. I mean, okay, so to me, the most remarkable thing about what is happening lately, and particularly for Joe Manchin um, effectively shutting down this, you know, the the, the more subsidies for solar and wind just last week, Mm -hmm. um, is that the, the, the Democrats and the climate activists who are pushing this are doing so despite what is clearly happening in Europe. And Europe tells the tale of if you spend too much money on renewables and you ignore hydrocarbons and you shut down your coal and nuclear plants and you rely too much on imports, yep. you are going to get screwed. And Europe is, they are in such, they're, they're on the precipice of total disaster. And why aren't our policymakers looking at that and saying, you know, we need to sober up here. Yeah, well, let's put to Joe's point. Uh, that's why it's so confusing. There's so many different factions of of of, of the Democratic and and the Republican Party. Um, you know, this is obviously an extreme left, uh, you know, situation, and that 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 really. Uh, when we like I said, but here's the point, Jada. You're dealing with labor unions. But, but here's the point. In simple terms, we got a lot of we got a lot of people listening to this radio program on a weekly basis. We got a lot of people going about their lives on a daily basis, managing their family, managing their kids, managing their life. And yet they are the ones who are electing the officials who are cutting us off at the knees and they're hurting themselves. I still, to this day, can't wrap my arms around why I would raise my hand and vote for that. Well, let me just say, and then this. find us in a, find us in this position. Don't understand, Joe. Uh, people aren't being told the details, and 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 they're not being educated. Okay, from our position, Robert. You know, I I, I mentioned uh, the, the the democratic thing because we want to, to we 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 are a recognizable voice. Okay, um, yeah. we, we want to bring common sense into the process. We we you know listen. I said proud Democrat. Well, I, I have, I am, and and but I will say this: um, I want our people and our, and our families and our friends and our fellow Democrats uh, who aren't blinded by the light, okay, to start looking at the at the actual details. Sometimes this can be so complicated, Robert. People don't understand. And you talk about RINs and the RFS and all. Though you you need a, you need a, uh, somebody who can uh, write policy to sit there and 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 translate it to you. So you know we. You know, we're trying to get our people to listen and understand all people uh, that, you know, what's yeah. what's important. Um, you know, you, you, but you, I think there's but I don't but I since there's been uh, and this is going to be bad for the Democrats. I mean, bad in November, I think, because what you know, one of the things that is clear is that people care about energy prices. And, you know, one of the things that is clear in the Biden administration, I think, is very worried about that they're, this and they're trying to thread the needle and go to Saudi Arabia to try and ask them to produce more oil, which, I mean, makes my head hurt. Right? Is that, is that at the same time we're, we're giving up our reserves? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, exactly. Right. I mean, what is, what do you, what is your strategy? Right. And that's one of the things I've heard from a guy who's in the poly, you know, in the, in the, in the it works in the foreign policy arena in Washington, DC, said something really sharp. He said, you know, the, the, the Biden crowd, when it comes to energy, they have a lot of tactics, but no strategy. And I think that's exactly right. And then with, because there's no strategy, what we see in terms of particularly oil prices, which voters care about a lot, and they sit there for two or three minutes at the gas pump and think, I was just paying two or three bucks a few, you know, a couple of years ago, and now I'm paying four or five. Why is this? And that's going to that's gonna hurt the Democrats in November, I think, you know, and they, and it should, I mean, they just, they're, they've abandoned the work, the, 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 the group of people that they claim, the groups that they claim to represent, the unions, the poor, and the working class. I mean, they just have abandoned them well, in favor of this radical European policy. And I just, I really don't understand well, it. But, and, and in a sense, it's, 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 when you, when you look at it from a labor standpoint, it's, 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 it's a scary thing because, you know, we, uh, we always say we're not a political party. We support those who support us. We cannot win with just Democrats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You said you're not. Well, that's the old Will Rogers line. I'm not a member of an organized party. I'm a Democrat. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say that. I, I, I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Right. I got you. But, but, but what, I'm, what, what, what I'm saying here is this. 
you know, our labor community, you know, it is an odd situation when you look at the Boilermakers Union, you look at the, everybody who works at the refineries and, 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 and uh, you know, in, in, in the different plants, uh, including um, the nuclear plants that, that uh, obviously are important, um, we're going to lose all of our jobs. And there are so many people that depend on it, and it's not necessary. They just don't, look, I, I hate to say that they don't understand the science. And we need to explain it to them and understand that we're, we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. That, you know, and, and everything that's going on in Europe and, and, and the fact that we're going to have to depend on our foreign entities for, for things that we're shutting down, that we have a surplus for over here, is just so confusing. It puts you in the twilight zone. Well, it, 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 I think, you know, I agree with what you're saying, J-Doc. I think what, you know, I, I'm pleased to hear about your show. I didn't know anything about what you're doing, but I think it's absolutely your show. It's going to be, it's going to take a concerted, you know, when people ask me about, well, how do we change this? How do we, how do we make progress? And my, uh, my response is always pack a lunch, pack a lunch. You know, this is not going to change you. You, this is incremental. You've got to keep pounding the message. You have sure. to keep pounding the facts. You have to keep pounding the math and the physics because that's what matters. But I think what's interesting to me, you know, reflecting back to the two of you about what you're doing is this is great because organized labor has to come up, has to be at the table and arguing for rational energy policy. And that's the critical part is that, yes, climate change is a concern. It's not our only concern. We have to be concerned about reliability, affordability, resilience, societal resilience, and these are all critical matters now, especially today, given what we're seeing in Europe, where the Europeans sleepwalked into this trap in which they find themselves. And they are, we're going to see the deindustrialization. It's already started. The deindustrialization of Europe. And as Europe deindustrializes, who gets hurt? It's the working class. Robert Bryce is our special guest here for the full show on the Labor and Energy Show. We'll take a short break. Remember, as we go into the break, did you know, as we continue to educate the public? Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know carbon capture and storage technology is one of the few proven technologies that can deliver deep emissions reductions in industrial sectors? Did you know? First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause, we thank everybody, of course, J-Doc, as we always do, uh, for tuning in uh, religiously every week as we continue uh, to present the narrative uh, and talk through the education part of this conversation that I think is missing, uh, and I think that is part of the confusion cloud, I call it. Uh, And I put me under the cloud, by the way. Um, You know, that's why we're here. 
Um, but good stuff. And Robert Bryce is our special guest. Great guest uh, today, Jay Doc. And I wonder, as I sit and listen and not say much, I wonder who's going to say more, the acclaimed Robert Bryce oh. <laughs> or, the, or Jay Doc, who was up all night doing lots well, of research. Well, here's <laughs> but, either, but either way, it's all good. I'm excited, obviously, and, and, and it's such a great – it's an honor for us to have Robert on the broadcast. And there's so much to talk about. Um, and so I, I should be listening more than I'm talking now, Joe. You're right there. Let, let me, let me let, Robert, talk, let's talk a little bit about uh, energy poverty and, and what the impact is of, uh, of that and, and, and the real-world consequences of energy poverty uh, across sure. the world. Well, let's look at what's happening in California, because I also published a recent piece in Quillette that I was pleased with about California and how uh, the title was California's Energy War on the Poor. You know, California for decades has been seen as as the state, kind of the vanguard state in America when it comes to culture and politics and, you know, fashion and, you know, even cultural issues like gay rights and the rest of it. Okay, so that's that's I think that's clearly true. But when it comes to climate policy, you know, other states are looking to California as well. But what you see when and this is what I wrote about was when you look at what California is doing, they are impoverishing the poor and the working class. And they're doing so in a state that has the highest poverty rate in America. Yeah, California is a wealthy state, no doubt about it. You know, tech zillionaires and Hollywood and the rest of it. But it has the highest poverty rate in the country when you account for the cost of living. And that's according to the Census Bureau. And yet, what are they doing? They're following almost exactly the European model, strangling the hydrocarbon economy, shutting down their nuclear plants and coal plants, and and pushing all this money on renewables. And what is the result? Electricity prices in California have gone up five times faster than the rest of the continental U.S. since 2008. Their their gasoline prices are among the highest in the country, including Alaska and Hawaii. I mean, this is the, the exact model not to follow and, and yet they are continue to impose, impose these regressive policies on the poor and the middle class in the name of climate change, which, okay, well, that may be your goal and that may be laudable, but you are hurting the very people that you say you represent. And this is in California, of course, which is a democratic state and has been for more than 50 years. You know, it, it, it is it is obviously um confusing and frustrating to, to, to regular uh, Americans what's going on. You mentioned the election coming up, and um, I have a feeling that, uh, you know, this could backfire, obviously, and and, and certainly um, the, the benefit of elections is... is, is and it should, right, and it should. Is balanced. I mean, more than anything, this you know, what we're seeing with this inflation, particularly when it comes to energy prices, yeah. the Democratic Party, the Biden administration... You know, God love them. They just don't get it. They just, for some reason, they don't understand it. And it's because I think they don't have any working class people, union people in that are part of the inner circle. Instead, it's the it's the Natural Resources Defense Council. It's, you know, Gina McCarthy. What was her job before she was the top climate advisor? She was at the NRDC, which is a radically anti-nuclear, anti-hydrocarbon outfit with an annual budget of $200 million. Well, they certainly don't have a lot of our labor leaders in, in, in their, uh, at their energy sector meetings because there's a, you know, we're jumping up and down also. And, and in my opinion is that many of the labor leaders who don't, uh, you know, who don't, uh, you know, take a, a, a stance that is a common sense stance, just don't understand uh, the actual science of it. And therefore, uh, those simple slogans um, are, are, are leading us down a bad path. Let's, let's, let's talk about, um, you know, in your documentary and uh, on a worldwide scale, um, I think it was uh, a woman from Guyana was featured in your documentary who talked about uh, the moral imperative to electrify her, con- her country. A question, I mean, what is the reaction from these developing countries when they hear uh, the developed world conversations about net zero and, uh, you know, greenhouse gas effect and emitting policies uh, and proposals aiming at folks to ban financing for fossil fuel powered electricity, even when it comes to projects in in, in their world? Do they think we're absolutely nuts? Well, what I see and, you know, in. Uh, uh, Priscilla Atanza, she's from Ghana, and she was um, she gave some just amazing lines. She said one of the things she says people are not going to eat solar panels. She, I mean, she's talking about the fact that this just isn't enough, right? But what I think is clear, and this is something that we we you know we talked about in the film, but it's something I've been talking about a lot lately is the iron law of electricity, which is 
people, businesses, and countries are not are, are going to do whatever they have to do to get the electricity they need. They're not. Yes, climate. They will acknowledge climate change. They'll say this may be important, but we have to take care of ourselves, and we're going to act in our own self interest. And of course, that's exactly as they should. You know, they can look at the United States and say, "Okay, well, that's good for you," but that didn't work for us. And that's why I think was very clearly happening all around the world. It's not just. China and India, it's Vietnam, it's Bangladesh, Pakistan. You know, you look around the world at what countries are doing, and there's there's the there's the rhetoric and there's the reality. And for all of these countries, they are the reality is they're going to do what's in their immediate self interest, and that means what we've seen dramatically. And I, this is some numbers I haven't published yet. Last year alone, just the increase in hydrocarbon consumption globally, coal, oil, and natural gas, just the increase was equal to the output of all global solar and wind combined yeah that's the reality yeah and 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 that's what i want to touch on next because it's staggering Uh, i was reading your op-ed uh in real clear energy and you touched a a bit on you know obviously um on china and india and and the increase in coal production just this year exceeding the entire uh, their increase is going to exceed the total u.s production of coal um yeah it's when I was reading it, it almost I I, I was kind of shaking because I couldn't believe, uh, you know, the, the, the actual difference worldwide. In other words, the difference in policies, the difference in 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 in, in, in what we're doing. Uh, can you elaborate on that? Sure. So we'll just on the I'll put those numbers uh, uh, to uh, just put the fine point on them. China and India within the last few months, have announced that they're going to increase total together their their coal output by about 700 million tons per year. So that will be, by the end of this year, that will be their increase. Just the increase, right? Well, the U.S. mines about 600 million tons, uh, or 630, something like that, 630 million tons. So just the increase in coal production in China and India, just the increase, I repeat, sure. will be greater than the output of all U.S. coal mines. This is a big, big increase. So, but it's remember, it's not just coal, which, you know, of course, is demonized. And I understand people don't like the carbon emissions, and there's some other issues, you know, in terms of particular and the rest of it. But electricity is not an elective. You know, politicians, if the lights go out, politicians get voted out. Blackouts are bad for business, they're bad for politics. And so these countries are, this is what we, the re- energy realism. And we in America have to understand that. We can continue efforts for decarbonization. I'm, I, I'm fully in favor. But we have to approach it rationally and realize that these energy transitions happen not in a, over years, they happen over decades. And if you try and push it too quickly, as what we've seen in Europe, it's going to end in tears. And who's going to lose? The poor and the working class. Yeah, and and it's it's and Robert, do we need to get to that point for no, get us to? That to point, but Robert. I'm saying, is that what needs to happen for change for us to realize what we've what we're talking about? You know, it's what you're hearing. What I'm hearing you. The question I think you're asking is, do we have to have blackouts? Do we have to have more gas lines for people to sober up? I hope not. I really do, Krause. I think you know we 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 don't we don't have to push this to crisis, but we have to have politicians, policymakers, people who are willing to say that stand up and say the truth. That instead of hearing this endless and I mean just disgusting, frankly to me, over and over, wind, solar, and electric vehicles. Incredible. Well, these are the same things that put Europe in the ditch. And yet we hear it over and over from the top officials in this administration, wind, solar, and EVs. What are you doing? Why are you not talking about what is obvious, which is that those things, electric vehicles in particular, those are toys for the rich. I mean, I just flat out, they're the next big thing, and they always will be. They're for the rich people, not the working class. Bricklayers, carpenters, I've never seen one driving a Tesla. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the funny thing is, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned it, 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 the, the difference when you talk about China and you talk about India, you put those numbers out there. It's it's actually you almost sit there and go, what the hell are we doing? We're, you know, we're, we're, we're going to 
absolutely cannibalize ourselves and it's not going to make it almost reminds me of of the regional greenhouse gas initiative here in pa where other states around us are going to pick up the you know the balance of 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 the uh, of the energy use and 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 we're going to put ourselves out of business it's a confusing uh type of situation that people uh, you go up and ask your neighbor in pa um if they've ever heard of the regional greenhouse gas initiative if one person out of 100 to 200 people say they've heard of it, you know, I'll run naked down Broad Street, okay? Which, by the way, would be a traumatic... Don't do that, J-Doc. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just... I, I'm just I, I don't know, J-Doc, but I'm, I'm going to vote against that one. Too, so. <laughs> Thanks very much, Robert. <laughs> Robert, that's a good vote, by the way. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying... You know, it's, it's, it's actually confusing. And when I read that, I was kind of trembling here because it's like we're chasing our tail. It's ridiculous. It's uh, the, the solutions we're coming up right now with right now are, are, are uh, just confusing. And, and we're, we're going to deplete ourselves of the use of our, our, our resources, our traditional resources, which, by the way, as you, we all know, what's it, 6,000 products um, in, 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 uh, in, in this world are comprised of fossil fuels, including renewables and, uh, wind turbines and all those things, the oil that we use to cool them, um, and, and just to steal everything else. Um, so yeah. these well, are, and this, is, and this is the reality. And I think what you're doing, and I'm not blowing smoke up your dress here, but I think what you're doing is important because you know, what matters to people who are the working class people, right? It's the bills they have to pay now. These are the concerns that are in front of us today. And that's where I think the Democratic Party has to realign itself and understand that really, I did an interview with a, uh, a woman, that's, she's going to be on the podcast here in a few weeks, but she talked about the issue of class in America. And this is what, I mean, we haven't mentioned that yet, right? But you represent working guys, you know, and, and, and I always think about, well, okay, what's the policy? And I'm kind of stealing this from uh, Phil Graham, the, the former senator from Texas. He, his mind, his, he talked about uh, as barber, he had a barber, he said, how's this going to affect the barber? Well, and I think about it. How's it going to affect the people who have their who have their names on their shirts? The people who are working class folks that have that have names on their shirts, which means they that's a different class of people than you know everyone else, right? You got your, you got a name on your shirt. Well, that means something. It yeah. signifies something. And the Democrats have gotten too far away from that because they're too dependent on the elites and sometimes the super elites giving them billions of dollars, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars to press these issues, which are not the first, and I'm talking about climate decarbonization, these are not the first priority issues for union members, for people who have their names on their shirts, or the people who have to drive to work and aren't part of the keyboard economy. Sure. We have to, we need a realignment in America around these issues of class and working folks and getting our energy policy more aligned with them. It's it's interesting because when you talk about you know the consequences of this and and the incredibly high gas prices and energy prices around the country and, and who it's impacting and all that, you talk about you think about the the end game and the election and all that. And if um, when, you, when you talk about um, you know the Democratic Party, they've t uh, traditionally uh, you know obviously supported labor. Biden has been uh, a proponent of labor since we started, but we're going to lose all this. Uh, due to the consequences of, 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 of what's going on in America, uh, our inflation and, of course, our energy prices, it's not going to do us any good in the long run. And so we're kind of no, it's not. Well, so, well, let me ask you all then something, because, you know, I interview a lot of people. And I'm just curious because, you know, we're just chatting here. But what's the possibility that labor switches over to the GOP? Well, I'll tell you, it's an interesting point. But the reason it's unlikely is you have policies like right to work and paycheck protection yeah. that that republicans typically support and uh listen we're also uh, you know we're also uh, an issues uh, you know movement so in other words sure we can't just do it you know with democrats or when i'll tell you this. here's where the divide is this is from the outside looking in here's where the divide is it's not the local it's the membership that's going to fracture mm. and that's where when you get to the voting box sure that's where yeah. you're going to see the percentage of the uh, of the of the members of that local are not going to stay true. Rob, no, but I hear you. That's you're, you're right about that. Okay, I but, think that's an interesting point, right? That the whatever position the national union may take doesn't mean that the that the guy who when he gets in the you know that 
Well, I think that explains you know part of Trump's appeal. Right? Well, that, Trump understood yeah. this. You know, gotta, he understood the, the the concerns of the working class. Well, but let me just you know, say this: he understood I, these. I'll tell you when Trump got you know got the got the working class people on the side. He was standing up on a stage with Jeb Bush and all the other Republican not, uh, candidates for the first debate, the first conversation, and he brought up NAFTA. Okay, and we didn't hear people talking about NAFTA, and all of a sudden, yeah. uh, you know, manufacturing and bringing it back to the United States, he got everybody's attention. Uh, but I, I do, I, I do want to say this. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you talk about you know, Joe Crash. You mentioned uh, the, the, the members of the, the unions themselves. It's not just on the national levels; it's the local level. Um, and, yeah. and and you know, we're we're uh, you know we're looking at this thing, and 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 you know, it's it's. It's a very confusing uh, type of situation, and we, you know, when it, when it comes to our jobs and all those things, we have an opportunity. But it's educating listeners about about uh, the the issues and all those things. And there are some unions uh, who were very. Uh, I don't think they even endorsed. Uh, Biden, uh, they didn't endorse anybody because of what was going on in energy, and a lot of them make a living in, at the energy sector. And and so, sure. you know, it's it's uh, y- 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 you you asked a question. I'll tell you this, Joe, Joe Krause, you'll remember this day like it was yesterday. Uh, Trump had just won the election. We had the labor show we were doing in Philly the night before. Uh, you know, we we had our regular labor leaders scheduled for the show. And all of a sudden, Trump wins. Remember the next, Joe, early the next day, it was a Wednesday the day of the show when it was during the day. And the labor leaders that were on the show said they couldn't, they weren't, you know, there was a difficult day for them and all that. And they, and they, they just thought that, they, you know, they, we should, you know, get our labor leaders from, from, from the state. Uh, so we had Pat Iding on the show. We had Rick Womendale, our, our Philadelphia Council AFL-CIO, and our, our PA AFL-CIO conversation. And we talked about the, the world with Trump as the president. And that, my friend, and I'll say this, Robert, was when Rick Blumendale, who was the president of the PA AFL, said, we labor, and, and despite what anybody thinks, is not a political party. We support those who support us, and we need both sides of the aisle to, 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 to meet our agenda. And so the point yeah, is, I think, and I think that, and I think that that's key. I think that, you know, you know, the, these, these issues now are top of mind because we're on the precipice of a, a, well, we are already, we're already in a global energy crisis and the energy sector is the most important business in the world. Every other industry depends on it. So I think what you guys are in a, in kind of a unique position to push these issues forward from a from a purely rational standpoint, right? That you and, and to say that point, we support those who support us, right? And so, I mean, I think that gives you a unique position and some really some kind of unique power in in the discussion. But you got to make sure your voices are heard, and you got to activate your people. I mean, that's why we're on this program with the big dog right now, right? <laughs> that's right. That's why, Jay, Robert, that's why J-Doc is staying up throughout the right. entire well, You mentioned the word rational. I don't know about that one, but, you know, we believe it or not, Robert. A um, couple minutes left, guys. Four yeah, minutes until we get we, to the top, or until we get to the end. You know, we only have a, a, a couple minutes left, and that is it. We, we went to two segments instead of three. Uh, I wanted to touch on, real quickly, uh, the electric vehicle mandates. Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're talking about mandates, uh, some, you know, that, that some states are opting into to, to, what's it, California's crazy attempt to ban the sales of uh, internal combustion engines by as early as two, 2030. And actually, Delaware, right next door to us, actually just took the step a month or so ago. Talk about that, man, because... Um, like sure. you, I mean, it's, it's, we're making this, you know, we're, we're writing checks our bodies can't cash here. And, 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 and it's, uh, it's a confusing situation. Yeah. Well, I would say invest in real, in, in, uh, auto dealerships in Reno. Because <laughs> 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 you know, if California is going to ban the sale of internal combustion engines, well, people are going to go and they're going to buy the vehicles that make sense for them. I've written about the electric vehicle for years. I wrote about it a dozen years ago in my book, Power Hungry. We've heard about the electric vehicle for more than 110 years. Last year, the the total market share of electric vehicles, new sales of electric vehicles in the United States was less than 4%. Less than 4%. Yeah. Working class people don't drive Teslas. The, the average household income for an electric vehicle buyer is twice the national average. It's $140,000. Average household income in the United States is 65000 
This is these are you know there are numerous studies have been shown that prove this very fact that, that, that who gets the subsidies these tax credits for electric vehicles who collects it it's the wealthy it's the Benz and Beamer crowd it's not the folks driving the F one fifty Robert right but let you know and, and we don't have much time on this by the way we can't, I cannot wait to have Robert back we you know I and that because the interview by the way you know we even even scratched the surface but Mark Mills was on the program and we were talking about the critical minerals it takes. To to, to uh, make the batteries, and and we also talked about where they're mined at, and the fact that it's slave labor, and all those other crazy things. But one on one, if you were to fantasize about, that, you know, obviously transition into one hundred percent electrical vehicles, the devastation that would have on the environment, and 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 the fact that we likely don't have the minerals to do it, is uh, you know. Not, it's not even comprehensible. Um, but well, I'll, I'll add one. I'll add one other point to that, J Doc, which is the electric grid we have. And I'm in Texas. I got blacked out last year, right for 45 yep. hours. The electric grid we have is buckling under the load that we have now. Why would we? And we use a staggering quantity of energy for transportation in the form of liquid motor fuels. And the idea that we're going to put all that load on the electric on the electric grid when it's buckling under existing load. Yeah. Hello. I mean, you know, this is, again, it's a lack of understanding of the basic physics and basic math behind our energy and power systems. And that's why I think I'm going to have a job for a long time to come. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> that's ignorance is so great. Well, I, but I also think regular people don't, they don't hear this in the mainstream media, Robert. And and the point is, um, people talk about, you know, we, we do talk about those, the, the, the facts that, you know, what the sales numbers are and all those things. But, uh, you know, the, the details. That the, that I know that the mainstream media is not uh, you know delving into obviously and and it's what regular people uh, the Joes like me and Joe here that you know we're not aware of and at this point you know we gotta we gotta um, we gotta get through the minutia and and look at the common sense uh, you know details here because if we don't um, we're going to be supporting individuals and policies that are going to put us out of business as a country, not to mention our energy independence and all those things. Robert, we only have, what do we got, Joe? I have us now with a minute 15 until yeah. we break. Can I, we can give it all to Robert or I'll give no, you no, 15 let's, to wrap. Let's, let's, let's go to Robert. If you would, Robert, I mean, first of all, we really appreciate you being on the broadcast. Um, and, and but But some closing uh, messages for sure. the people. For the people out there sure. who really don't understand what's going on, who think they're environmentalists and all those things, but don't really understand the details. Well, first, thanks for having me on. I mean, you know, I'm honored and flattered. Um, second, I, you know, I, I think what you're doing is important. And again, I'm not not just flattering you here. I, you, what you're doing is important, and you need to keep it up. But you need to expand it. You know, it's great that you have one show. Get one going in Ohio. Get another one going in in Wisconsin. Get more union people involved in this because we need, and I say this <clears throat> broadly, we need rational. We we have to demand, and I say this. I'm using the paper. We we have to demand rational energy policy, and it's it's not a partisan issue. It's a it's a simple national security, energy security, affordability, reliability issue. And that affects everybody, and that goes across the board. So I'm flattered to be invited. Um, uh, anybody listening, I'm on, uh, you can find me on I'm on the Internet, uh, robertrice.com. My film is juicethemovie.com. I'm on Twitter, at PowerHungryPWRHungry. I'm easy to find. Uh, great talking with you all. I really am, am flattered, and keep up the good work. Yeah, we appreciate it. By the way, we right now we're you know we're we're on air from um, from PA PA Jersey, uh, Delaware, Maryland, and DC and Virginia. So we're we're, we're going to take you. Ohio's up. on the radar. Jay yeah, Doc. I mean, Ohio we're, and, and and elsewhere is definitely on the radar. That, that, that that's the plan, and and we really again we appreciate Robert Price and, and your time. www.robertprice.com. Again, the documentary Juice: How the Electricity Explains. How Electricity Explains the World. The podcast is the Power Hungry Podcast. Recent book, um, A Question of Power, Electricity and the Wealth of Nations, uh, one of his six books. You can find all that information at www.robertbrice.com. Robert, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we, we, we cannot wait to have you on again, my friend. I'm happy to do it. Thanks, fellas. All right. Good Our stuff pleasure. from Robert Bryce. We'll take a short commercial break. Jake, J-Doc and I will be back on the other side to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. 
Did you know, experts agree that a technology called carbon capture and storage, or CCS, will be crucial to mitigating the risks of climate change. Did you know? What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the international brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And welcome back, everyone, to the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. Fascinating interview, uh, J-Doc, with Robert Bryce. And as you heard throughout this uh, full broadcast of the Labor and Energy Show, I dropped a couple of inserts uh, coming back from the breaks sure. on Robert's podcast, which is really spectacular as it, well. The Power Hungry podcast, I mean, he interviews the who's who in, uh, in, in, in the energy and political sector and, and all those areas. And, and uh, in, in, in a sense, what the conversation, what I, first of all, it was great to have Robert on the, on the program, but um, it, it, it just goes to show you that common sense and bringing the message to the people and changing the narrative is important so we can, so we can have our cake and eat it too, Joe. We all care about the environment, man. Okay. We all care about the environment. Um, at the same time, we have to be able to survive also. We need to have common sense and we have to, the devil is in the details. And like I said, and I'm going to end it like this. This is not a political issue. Energy, the environment, is, and it should not be a political issue. It's not a union issue. It's a human issue. And we're all in it together. United we stand, divided we fall, whether we like it or not. Well done. Well stated. This is the Labor and Energy Show with Jadock and Krause. Until next time. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson before the upcoming midterm elections and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit FuelingUSJobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today.